Thank you for joining Marianne and the Professor. Today, I am so happy to be joined by Dr. Stephen Maltos. Uh, Stephen, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Yeah, thanks, Marianne, for having me on. Yes, hey, now, Stephen, actually- I think I'd rather be where you are. It looks a lot warmer than where I am. I know, I'm sitting outside. It's absolutely I, glorious. Oh, now, Stephen, I don't know, uh, oh, maybe we talked about this a couple of years ago, but I have to actually give you credit or call attention to something. You wrote an article way back at the beginning of COVID, probably in March of 2020. You were the first doctor that I ever um, read a report by who was on the same page as me because I had, uh, you know, from the get-go, I thought I smell a rat. And I read your article. I, re I can't remember where it was posted. And I called you. And that was the beginning of our friendship. So I thank you three years ago for being bold because you were the first one in BC that I knew of that stepped out. Probably in BC, I was the first doctor. Yes. I, I don't think I was, I, I don't think you give me credit for being that um, perceptive in March of 2020. I don't, I was still thinking that we needed to, uh, you know, take our, change our clothes in, in the garage so that we wouldn't infect our families. But I was starting to see some strange things. One is that um, we had these sort of chat, um, it's actually on Slack where doctors and everyone could talk to each other about this. And nobody was actually talking about cases or what to do. In other words, how to treat or how to prevent cases. And uh, after a while, it was quite surprising. And I put up, made a chat, a section called um, preventive, preventive treatment. And I, nobody put anything on it. It was there for months and nobody put anything on it. So either people were not seeing these COVID cases, which is what I suspect, but also there seemed to be more involved in getting PPE and, you know, how to fill out the forms for a transfer and all these things. And uh, it was pretty silly. But um uh, then I, I think we I, I, I wrote something about the importance of vitamin D. And I sent that off the line uh, to our public health, to our local um, long term care and even spoke to people at the hospital about that. And when vitamin C was being given intravenously in China. So I spoke about that and they all poo pooed it. They said, well, you know, people where I live in the Comox Valley think vitamins can cure everything. And that was about as far as that went. And then we had. Um, and then I then oh, the uh, the Canadian Integrated Medicine Association, we put out a a uh, um, a press release about how to treat with, you know, earth molecular medicine, including vitamin D, vitamin C, uh, you know, balancing uh, you're making sure you had a good diet, exercise, all those sort of things. And that didn't go anywhere. No, no, um, none of the uh, the media picked that up. And anyway, it, it got a little bit crazy. And then by the summer, we started to see the masking which we knew was ridiculous, uh, even from the beginning, and the studies didn't support it, and all the harms were so obvious, particularly to children. And so, uh, but uh, writing about that didn't seem to help. And finally, uh, I think the last straw and what kind of got me into the hot water was writing a open letter to Bonnie Henry in October, 2020, telling her that, advising her to change her direction because everything she was doing for public health in the province of British Columbia, where I live, uh, was actually harming people, not helping them. Mm -hmm. And particularly for kids, it was turning them into hypochondriacs who were afraid of, of killing their mother and father and grandparents. And that was not the way to go. Um, so that was, that's kind of what started things off. And, uh, and then we had other people following Dr. Doc, Doc, Dr. Hoff in our province and, uh, and others that, that started speaking up. Well, thank goodness there's doctors like you who have been brave from the get-go and served as leaders for those of us who have been uh, aware uh, of the truth. You've been a real leader sure. in that. Well, thank you. Thank you, Marianne. But it's not really uh, 
uh, being brave, actually. I think we just, this is the way we've always acted. This is kind of ethical behavior and way we've always acted. So it's not like we suddenly, you know, change our stripes. Um, and and in fact, when you talk to these doctors individually, you see that they have quite interesting careers. Uh, you know, what, how, how they have actually been outside the box or been willing to step outside the conventional box in medicine and do things differently if they found it was better. Mm-hmm. And they weren't, they're not so easily coerced into uh, wanting, to, by wanting to be a member of the fold, the club. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe that's what's uh, made us a little bit different and more willing to take that risk, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, you're certainly not a coward, and I, I just appreciate you. I've, it's been wonderful to know you during this uh, very peculiar chapter in life. Um, but I, I guess we'll jump right into one of the reasons, the main reasons for this call, is I heard the very some very exciting news that you and a team of North American doctors were invited to address the European Parliament next month. Fill us in on what's going on. Yes. Um, well... In um, in 2020, 2021, we 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 put on a uh, um, a conference. We were invited to the Italian Senate in Rome, and we put on a conference there, as well as a day before the the uh, one day in the in the Senate, and then one day afterwards. Uh, first of all, for the doctors and attendees, and uh, actually the experts, and then a, and then a presentation in the Senate, and then the following day something that was a public presentation, and that was repeated again uh, in France in twenty. So I guess the first one was in 2021, 2022 in France. And then uh, recently uh, we were invited uh, uh, by members of the European Parliament to come and do a presentation there for one day. And so on May the 3rd, the International COVID Summit, which is a a team that put on the previous ones, and I'm on the steering committee of that, but uh, we were were invited to come and and do a presentation. So we've invited, uh, we invited some of the world's most, uh, I guess, uh, maybe infamous is a term, but really the best known um, uh, physicians and otherwise, not just all doctors, uh, present to present there, some of the, the best. And, you know, people like, uh, you know, Pierre Corey's coming, Robert Malone, uh, Meryl Nass. These are Americans uh, that we know uh, in Canada, where Byron Bridal hopefully going to be coming. Um, uh, um, Patrick Phillips is going to be coming. Uh, uh, Jason Kristoff, uh, who is a Canadian uh, living in Mexico, he's going to come. Uh, Nick Hudson's coming from South Africa. Uh, Ryan Cole from the USA. I mean, there's just a whole bunch, of, uh, a bunch from Italy, France, Germany, uh, all around the world, in fact, are coming to do this. And uh, we, we're going to have about 30 doctors presenting in one day. So it's going to be quite the barrage. We're going to tell uh, tell the narrative from our side or what the science says about the COVID, the COVID uh, uh, so-called pandemic. And uh, I think this will be uh, it will be kind of a, a world event, you know, because first of all, it's an important kind of the heart of things, the European Parliament. But also because we're having such an international group of experts coming to, to speak in one place. So it's going to be quite spectacular. And day one will be a, a, a closed conference for the attendees. And day three will be a public event. Excellent. So if people want to participate in supporting you where do they go well you know that, that thank you for asking that question because you know we're doing this on a uh, on a shoestring budget and uh most of the people who are coming are simply volunteering to take time out of their busy practices spend their own money to get there and uh and you know and and what's necessary to stay there and do the conference it's really wonderful everybody that's coming is just uh they've just kind of jumped at the opportunity to help out and to come and talk when they were asked so um, people can go to International COVID Summit, internationalcovidsummit.com, 
they go to that website, there is a place for people to donate and also to hear more about the, the conference and what's happening. It okay. will be um, it will be live streamed out of the uh, out of the European Parliament. So people will be able to watch it online as it goes on. And uh, will it'll be recorded for the, for for posterity and for people to watch later. Um, and same thing with day two, day three. Uh, day one will be a closed conference for doctors. I think we're going to just discuss things, talk about what we found in our own countries. Uh, it'll be very interesting, lively. Uh, there may be some debate. Hopefully no one will throw any buns or anything like that, uh, but we should have some fun. So that's that's going to be day one. Mm -hmm. Excellent. So I will include the uh, in the notes, uh, International COVID Summit link and the live stream link, or maybe that's just on the same website, but I'll be sure to include that so people know where to go and also how to support you. I think it's a very, it, it's such an honor that you're invited to Europe to address. Um, I, I think that's, uh, yeah, I, I'm just delighted to hear that this has worked out for you. Yeah, well, we got yep. to give a little shout out to those members of the European Parliament who have really stuck their neck out yeah. there, you know, in, in the lion's den almost, uh, you know, to invite us and uh, and they themselves have spoken in front of their colleagues about the importance of following the science, real science, and, uh, you know, and speaking up for people and uh, defending the rights of human beings, in fact. Yeah. Well, you know, people like Christine Anderson, and although there's a whole, there, there is a group of them, but I just think they certainly will be, I think, appreciative of having you experts arrive and support what they've been saying. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. No, a great idea. Now, switching gears a little bit, the National Citizens Inquiry. Mm -hmm. Tell us about that. That is uh, ongoing, but give us an update on that. You're going to be presenting, I understand, in Ottawa. Mm -hmm. But tell us what you know on, on this big event. Well, you know, we did see the government uh, investigating the government when they, with, with uh, our Prime Minister uh, uh, Trudeau, uh, calling out the uh, the Emergencies Act, and of course, you know, um, it's like the uh, um, the fox watching the hen house. It doesn't really work out in the end. We kind of knew it was a, a preordained uh, uh, conclusion there that he would be found not guilty. But I think that uh, that's not the true story, mm -hmm. and uh, we all we're all suspicious of that outcome. He the uh, appointed commissioner or judge uh, essentially was someone that the liberals had supported. So it was someone from his own camp. But the 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 uh, National Citizens Inquirer is a completely different story. This is something which is um, is a investigation, which means testimonies, lawyers, and commissioners, four commissioners, as the uh, taking this testimony. This is being uh, these testimonies are coming from people that were affected by the uh, by the COVID pandemic measures, the public policies, what was done by institutions, what was done by businesses, what was done by people's friends and family as well. Um, and there will also be expert testimony. So if people like Peter McCullough has already testi testified and, and, and there are others as well. Um, mm -hmm. People who have been in the field um, of uh, journalism are testifying. Uh, we have, there are people who are uh, uh, working in the funeral homes who are testifying is what they're finding. Uh, all the story of this, what happened in Canada is coming out and it's being recorded. It's very important for a lot of different reasons. Uh, one is it's gonna be true stories. People are doing this under oath. Uh, secondly, you know, we, we do have to have some kind of reconciliation. Uh, right now there's this divide, you know, this divide among the vaxxed and the unvaxxed. Many of the people that are talking, were there are people who are vaxxed and there are people who are unvaxxed. 
and they all went through uh, trials. They were all victimized um, by our government and our public health and whoever runs our government yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah. It's another whole story, isn't it? But oh, um, yes. Yeah. But anyway, so well, this is one, and it's going to be across Canada, as you mentioned. So uh, we've already had one in Truro, Nova Scotia. There's been one in Toronto, Ontario. There's been one in uh, Winnipeg, Manitoba. And now it's going to be going to Sas Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, then next Red Deer in Alberta, Vancouver in uh, British Columbia. Then it will going on to uh, Quebec City in Quebec. And finally, the last one will be in Ottawa in Ontario, Ottawa being the capital of Canada. I think that's a that's where the truckers ended up. I think that's a good place for the NCI to end it up. As it's, well. an, it's an appropriate. Well, last night I listened to the investigative journalist. Um, I think it's Ronald Palmer. Yes. What an incredible, explosive testimony he gave. I thought for those who have not right. seen it yet, I think that's a great one to share to anyone because we all remember watching him on TV. I mean, he's someone that I remember from years ago. Uh, and he's very credible. He's very balanced. Um, so I, I think this is such an important event. And it's, uh, I guess it's it's a little bit of a, what would we say, a public record that will go on, um, you know, it, how would I say, just to kind of keep keep it fresh in our mind in years to come. What exactly did happen? I think it's, I'm glad that this process is happening. I think it's very cathartic at best and hopefully these criminals i mean it's it's certainly revealing who the criminals are so uh yeah. this is, it's a very interesting process so what um you mentioned at this gathering at the european uh parliament Can I just say something first oh, sure. yeah go ahead people, people can go to the national citizens Inqu citizens inquiry and i'm not sure if it's a .com or .ca or .org and go there and see the schedule and mm -hmm. they can actually sign a petition there, as well as uh, they may still be accepting some uh, people for testimony. So when they when people have signed up for testimony, whether you're an expert or, or you're a uh, um, I don't know public, let's say um, that they they go through those and they try to find people that whose stories are quite clear and can uh, to, uh, you know to fill in all the gaps. In other words, to to, to try to cover all the aspects of of um, of our citizenship and uh, and what's happened. So, uh, but people can go to that. So nationalcitizensinquiry.com. Okay, I'm glad you mentioned that because there may be some people that would like to step forward. I'm sure mm -hmm. there's a lot of gaps. And lots of things, it's being live streamed everywhere. So people can mm -hmm. find out the dates and watch it themselves. And it's also being recorded. So there's lots of material on that site for people to, to get the, uh, the what's what. Okay, thank you. Uh, so when you you referred to the European Parliament, you've got 30 or so speakers gathering, there's going to be differences in opinion. I wanted to touch on some of the current co uh, controversies and kind of get your read on it. So the two issues, and we'll start with, does COVID exist? And is it a bioweapon? What's your opinion on that? There's so much information or maybe misinformation swimming around. Give me your your read on this. Sure. Well, the two, the question is not really much does COVID exist, although we do not really have an, 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 an accurate test for COVID. We know the PCR test and the rapid uh, antigen test, those were all essentially uh, fraudulent because of the number of cycles that were done the way they were done. And they really weren't intended for, for diagnostic purposes anyway. Mm -hmm. So with that in mind, we, we don't have any way of saying you have COVID and you don't have COVID. But there are some symptoms which seem unusual some that we perhaps pay more attention to, like loss of uh, 
a taste and smell, uh, that may have also occurred with other illnesses, other uh, cold viruses and, um, and influenza. So we're just paying more attention to those things. And uh, so COVID, but I do think COVID exists. I've had some patients that had COVID and I must say that there's something peculiar, peculiar in its severity and its sudden ability to jump to a deep level, which we really didn't see very much before. And I've been in practice for uh, about 42 years. So medical practice. So I've seen a lot of people with respiratory illnesses and, you know, influenza-like illnesses. So that's something kind of peculiar about it. It's, it, it's a little bit beyond just a simple influenza or a cold. Um, and it was occurring in people which, which kind of surprised us. It wasn't necessarily people with a history of chronic lung infections. But um, so COVID does exist, but what is it? I think it's really a blend of many things. Uh, and we've looked at, for example, turning on a 5G in the areas, the flu shots that were preceded it in large numbers. Uh, we've looked at uh, vitamin D deficiency, which you know the study out of Malaysia showed if you had adequate vitamin D levels in your blood, you need to test that with a blood test. If you had that, uh, then your mortality, your death rate was zero, no matter what your age group. So, so much for, you know, vitamins in the Comox Valley. But anyway, um, just to go, show, but there's some other things too. You know, we're, we're being bathed in electromagnetic forces, you know, 4G tires, uh, 4G and 5G towers going up everywhere. Um, then there's, you know, there's, there's a glyphosate in the food and then everything else that we're in, that, you know, we're essentially in a toxic environment. So mm -hmm. did that toxic environment take a jump up, which put people either predisposed them or actually uh, simulated uh, a viral infection and caused them to get sick? And really it was something else entirely. Certainly we see this overreaction of the immune system suggests that for some reason, people's immune systems were not well-tuned. In fact, they were ready to go, you know, to run rampant. And that is what caused the inflama generalized inflammation and the bleeding disorders that we saw with COVID itself. And, uh, and the respiratory issues, um, you know, the clotting and so on was secondary really to inflammation. So that's that we, there is a COVID disease. It's very peculiar. It's, it's probably made of many different elements, right? And some more and some people and less, maybe that, that also might explain the variability in cases. But um, really what people seem to be asking is, is there a SARS-CoV-2 virus? Mm -hmm. You know, where did it come from? You know, was it, is it a, a bioweapon made to create a disease around the world? Then I, I don't think we have two people. On, we have a couple of uh, different sides to that, maybe more than two. And um, my, my kind of feeling is, yes, viruses uh, could exist. And SARS-CoV-2 as a virus could exist. But is it what could exist? But is it really what we, ex we think of it as? In other words, do we think of it as a, as a, um, a pathogen which causes you to get sick? Or is it more like an upgrade to your, your human computer which causes it to, to adjust to a toxic environment. Now, not maybe not SARS-CoV-2, uh, the one if it was made in the lab, because then it could be made simply like a poison, right? Um, but I think that other viruses may play a role of upgrading our systems. And I know that in anthropos anthroposophical medicine, this is true that the childhood illnesses, you know, if you don't get really really sick with them, are important for the development of the child. And that if you block them with a vaccine or some other method, or you know, use something to really try to uh, how to prevent or suppress the symptoms, maybe excessive Tylenol use, even that you may prevent or interfere with the development of the child ultimately. Mm -hmm. So I think that having a virus or no virus discussion is a good one, mm -hmm. because not just is there one or isn't there, what it helps us to understand how we're interacting with our, the world around us, and this will give us a, a step up for the next thing. 
but but in other words, the more understanding we have about the phenomenon, the less likely we're going to be fooled next time when they bring out the bird flu, which is, you know, they're talking about it. It's most likely going to come out. I mean, monkeypox didn't work so well. People can't really relate to monkeys uh, that that closely, you know. And so they made a mistake there. They're going to try, maybe try, try uh, Marburg uh, virus, which a study uh, just passed around showed the hist antihistamines work very well um, for treating that. It's kind of a simple fix, right? Kind of a bit like ivermectin. Yeah. And uh, but the bird flu, they pulled that one out a few times, right? And of course, they're going to have a messenger RNA vaccine available for everybody, and they're going to scare the pants off people. And they're going to use it also to cull our livestock, to cull chickens, right? And that will reduce uh, the food supply, which is another part of this, uh, what is known in basketball as the full court press, where they bring everything at you at one time. Oh, dear. We are truly under attack. Well, oh, yes. as you mentioned all these things, you know, there's a lot of controversy. There's a lot of debate. But there is one thing that we all agree on, and that is that the vaccine is dangerous. And uh, I remember in the very early days, we had a very interesting conversation with Dr. Jeff Matheson as well about mm -hmm. the danger of the vaccine for people who yeah. were flying and mm -hmm. pilots. No one was talking about it, but you and Jeff Matheson were certainly talking about it. And we uh, we recorded a very interesting call. And sure enough, it's come to fruition. Yeah. Um, it's looking very dangerous. So in your mind, uh, what are you seeing? Well, how are people presenting with vaccine injuries? What are you encountering? Uh, is it? Uh, yeah, well, take it away. Well, you know, when the Pfizer Pfizer documents were forced to be released by the courts, you know, they wanted to keep them out of out of uh, public domain for 75 years, but they didn't get away with it. Um, in fact, I think it was the FDA went to bat for them to try to they, to move them 55 years to 75 years. But anyway, when they got revealed, um, they showed that, you know, in the, in the first there were nine pages of adverse events uh, from the Pfizer shot itself. So. And those nine pages were written with the letters, the, the, the disease name so close to each other that there was actually hardly any space uh, for punctuation. And um, I think what that revealed is that just about anything could be an adverse uh, event from the COVID shots. It goes everywhere in the body, it seems. And, uh, and in particular, things like the ovaries and the testes, it seems to have a preponderance for that area. Of course, the adrenal glands as well, which is you know important for... Uh, uh, for fight or flight. I mean, that's your way of kind of rising to the situation. And um, and then the, the liver and the spleen were other pieces, places. Also the brain. So it, the, the, the evidence is that this shot does not stay in your arm. In fact, after 48 hours, only 25% of it was still in the, in the muscle in which it had been injected. So um, the rest is distributed throughout the body. So that means any place, any place can have a symptom. And people need to realize that that, um, you know, if they have a symptom that they never had before that comes on after they had the COVID shot or within six months, the uh, the COVID shot as the as the cause for this should go to the top of the list. That's my feeling anyway. And if you've had the COVID shot, my advice would be if you've had the shot and you have no symptoms, then you should still treat yourself like you have a, a process going on behind the scenes that you're not aware of because you're, you're symptomatic, you're asymptomatic, no symptoms. And Dr. Hoff found this in his study when he looked at the uh, people in his in his uh, in his own practice that 52% of the people who thought that they had no problem whatsoever actually had elevated D-dimers, which is a evidence of blood clotting. They thought they were fine. 
So this means that people should 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 expect to have a problem if they've had the shot and they should go ahead and, and start trying to treat it preventively or treat it as though it's something's going on in the background. And uh, I usually recommend sending people to the, the FLCCC site, okay. Frontline Critical Care Consultants. Mm -hmm. um, it's a .org, I believe. No, it's .net. Mm -hmm. If they go there, they can find uh, uh, methods, uh, recovery methods and so on, ways of treating as well. And I, I'd suggest people get started, not wait till you actually have that chest pain. Because, you know, a lot of people have things like myocarditis and have no symptoms. It's only when you do uh, testing that they found that among among children, particularly boys, that um, a large percent more, I think it was more than half, actually had some evidence on testing that they had uh, perimyocarditis. And uh, that's inflammation of the muscle of the heart. And, um, and and so, but they didn't know it. Many of them did have no symptoms. So that's the thing where people drop dead on the sports field. So when you were on the tour, there were several doctors. You went across around with the bus and you were giving talks on vaccine injury. What was the most common? I mean, you're meeting hundreds or thousands of people. What was the most typical sort of story that people would share with you? There was no real typical story, Marianne. There were so many stories uh, people told us about. One of them that was very common is if people had some kind of a previous problem, let's say it was rheumatoid arthritis, mm -hmm. and they had the shot that their arthritis got much worse, described as going through the roof. In one case, a woman I spoke to, other people had, you know, five or six deaths in their family, some reason that their family was hit hard with with people dying after the shot and in close proximity to the shot. In other words, within, you know, a few days or a week of the shot, people dying, um, paralysis, strokes, you know, uh, Deafness, tin ringing in the ear, tinnitus, uh, visual problems, you know, f uh, pain, swelling. I mean, was there and, and was there anything that was not that was not caused by these shots? You know, uh, in Alberta, I, I believe that uh, sudden adult death syndrome is is still kind of the, the unknown cause is still the number one uh, cause of death in Alberta, and I'm sure it's the same every in many other provinces. Um, yeah, I mean, there and there've been some great excuses as to why that could happen. One was one was uh, shaking out your duvet on your bed too vigorously. Yes. Now, what about infertility? Because we're hearing some very dramatic numbers out of some countries that uh, birth rates are down, infertility rates are up. What do you guess is going on here, and how bad is it? I think there are uh, that we're essentially being have been poisoned over the years, and um, I think that's part of it. I think that we've been gradually poisoned, and I think that the COVID shots are adding a big payload to that. And by poison, I mean that they're actually we're seeing information. If you we look at some of uh, uh, Professor Arnie Burkhart's Arnie Burkhart's uh, uh, pathology slides, histology slides of uh, of people of uh, autopsies. Mm -hmm. That means that we look at the tissue after the person's dead and they're looking at tissues um, uh, at the testes and so on and see the inflammation destruction that's going on in there. Um, and the same thing with the ovaries, uh, infertility, infertility clinics are saying, hey, we're, we're having trouble harvesting uh, eggs from the ovaries. And, you know, uh, girls have those, all the eggs are going to have in their lifetime in their ovaries when they're born. And uh, if you destroy them at age, you know, six months or, you know, 12 years, because that's what the COVID shots are now um, uh, allowed for, down as far as six months of age, then, uh, then you know th that child is going to be infertile, 
But I think there's some other things too uh, in, in regard to infertility. In fact, in the in the school, I think this push for gender ideology of you know this trans ideology, which is being sort of uh, pushed very strongly behind closed school doors on our children. Uh, we have transvestites reading uh, what seem to be very almost pornographic uh, material to kids at story time in libraries and so on. There's a lot going on there. It's another whole topic. But I think that infertility is and androgyny is probably part of that agenda as well. Because if these little kids, uh, you know, end up having uh, uh, puberty blockers and then hormones and then, you know, surgery following that, um, you know, they're, they could still be in their early teens and have all these things done and, and they will not be having children. And uh, so I think that's another part of this infertility. So androgynous infertility, I believe that is, is where uh, one of the attacks on humans that's going on right now. You know what? I'm just going to seek a little bit of light. Hang on. I'm going to pause. Okay. So we're back with a little bit more light. <laughs> um, another question I have, what's your opinion on shedding? It's a, it's a real phenomenon. Uh, people tell uh, me why tell tell me a compelling argument why you think it's legit because People are very skeptical about it. Well, you know, I heard about it really at the very beginning after the shots started coming out for adults. Uh, women were calling me or, I mean, usually a lot of women are calling me, but this is a different circumstance. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, but but uh, a friend of mine called me from uh, from Vancouver and said, hey, all my girlfriends are talking about having menstrual problems uh, suddenly and they can't figure it out. It seems very strange. And that was the first inkling I got that there was something going on because it did manifest a lot in women's. Uh, a reproductive tract to, with with heavy cramping, heavy bleeding, uh, inter bleeding between periods, that type of thing. And um, so uh, that's where it started off. And I believe that uh, some of the notorious uh, misinformation dozen in the in the United States started tracking it, uh, Carrie Madey among them, and uh, and finding that yeah, there were lots of women who were having symptoms. And then we started hearing the story. In fact, we started experiencing it ourselves a little bit. Uh, being around people who had the shot uh, for a prolonged period of time um, would often cause us to feel a little unwell in, in my family. So um, we kind of, you know, you observe it first and you try to figure out what's causing it. And people have this story repeatedly. It's not as though it's in their head. Uh, you know, every time they go back into work after the weekend, you know, being around people who've been vaccinated when they themselves have not been. Because that's what shedding is about. It's the idea that uh, someone who's not been given the COVID shot uh, when they're uh, in proximity to someone who has been over a period of time, they start to get symptoms. And it can be anything from dizziness to lightheadedness to, uh, you know, to uh, bleeding, bruising, um, feeling just unwell, loose stools. Sore, uh, sore like throat. I, I hear uh, a lot of people feeling like sore throat or chest mm -hmm. pains. Yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah. So, um, but the, we really don't know the mechanism of it. Although they have found... Uh, that is possible that people have spike proteins in their perspiration because it has been found in sweat glands, um, you know, on, on biopsy. It seems unlikely that you would get enough from someone who's wearing a shirt or a blouse through their blouse in their sweat, in the air over the you know period of time that you're in, you know, in the same room with them. That just doesn't make sense. So um, I have my own theory. And my, my, my theory is that people are, have been made into um, transmitters by these COVID shots. And I kind of think there's some, there's nanotechnology here, although some people deny it. There seems to be some evidence that 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 is a possibility, depending on the 
on the batch you got, the particular shot that you got. But if there's nanotechnology creating some kind of a uh, transmitter receiver uh, system in the human body, then it's quite possible that that could be transmitting out and people could be picking it up if they themselves have a matching sort of receiver in their body. And when we look at the amount of, of sort of air pollution, water pollution, food pollution that we're seeing, um, it's quite possible that people have enough nanotechnology on board these days to become receivers and without having had the COVID shot. So my kind of thinking is that this is some kind of a, a, um, a transmission issue. And, um, and what people are getting is almost like a type of, um, almost like a, a type of uh, like you were in at Chernobyl type of thing, you know, like a um, that type of uh, a toxic poisoning, like um, being exposed to radio nuclear material. And uh, I think that explains quite a few of the sort of general unwellness, the loose diarrhea, the sore throats. It's almost like the person's been irradiated. Uh, that seems to fit better in, in my mind, but I don't think we have the evidence for that. It's just that it doesn't seem to be too many mechanisms to choose from. Well, what um, similar topic, what do you think the interplay is between the vaccine and 5G? Oh, I think they're interconnected. Um, but how exactly is not clear? Mm -hmm. uh, 5G is toxic enough in its own right, you know? I mean, the army's using, I think it's 95, 95 gigahertz as a method of dispersing crowds because it causes their, their skin to heat up to about 130 degrees in just a few seconds. And uh, we can, we've seen that. That's readily available that material in other words the type of weapon they've created with 5g but there's also the effects of 5g on um on animals on bees on birds their ability to migrate all these things have been documented not just 5g uh but also 4g as well which is you know fourth generation versus fifth generation just means a different set of uh, of frequencies that are being used so when we get up into 5g we're starting to get into the microwave frequencies and uh yes they can fry you you wouldn't want to stand in front of your microwave. And similarly, you wouldn't want to be standing, you know, by a 5G tower. But um, fortunately, 5G does not travel very far. Those, those, because they're they're much shorter um, wavelengths. They don't travel as well, so they require repeaters to be put up. And you can see those being put up in places like, uh, you know, cities like, uh, well, Calgary, for example. You'll see them on posts and so on like that. They have to kind of propagate it by having every block having a post. Um, some places, you know, down in the States, San Francisco is another example and so on. So, um, but 5G is not healthy for humans or for animals and maybe not for plants either. They've shown pictures of 5G and 4G uh, having uh, trees exposed to them and um, and how they can be uh, decimated. It takes a, a few years, but eventually they've seen, did study, I believe it was in Sweden, showing that, you know, half the tree was completely bare and the other half on the other side, not exposed, directly exposed, was still green. That may play a role too in forest fires as well as you know killing things off uh, and food supply and you know people are worried about climate change which I think is is you'll excuse the the term a hoax I think it's used as a design I do think we we have pollution there's no doubt about that and I do think we have geoengineering but I don't think we have human induced uh, climate change I think that we're little spots on this planet and we're not big enough to actually make a dent in that. And also this whole carbon tax thing, right, that they're bringing in. That's, that's just, I mean, CO2 is what plants love. That's what they live on, just as we live on oxygen. And they convert CO2 into oxygen during the night. So the more CO2 we have, the more the more greenery we'll have, the more food we'll have. And uh, in fact, they pump CO2 into greenhouses to increase the size of their crops. So the whole idea behind the carbon 
as I know you're aware, Marianne, is just a, a control method. Carbon credits is a method of controlling people and also getting them to police each other. Absolutely. Yeah, the bigger agenda here, I think, is to get us all at home without a car, not really going out and about, certainly not beyond our 15-minute city, um, not having too much disposable income, mm -hmm. and surveil 24-7. Yep. You know, so it, it's it's not a pretty picture. So what keeps you awake at night? What are, what are you oh, most concerned about? I actually, know that's I, I sleep very well. I sleep very well, yeah. Marianne. I've got to tell you, there's no one thing that keeps me awake at night. And you know that this the the uh, this is well, it's it's like uh, watching a card deck being shuffled. You know, everything is constantly changing, and you know you're you're meeting people you never would have met under other circumstances, and you're letting go of of friends and so on, or people that were friends, um, because you know you you're start, don't have anything much in common with them anymore. Or, you know, they're, they're not, their priorities are different to yours in such a way that they might want to talk about the weather, whereas you might be talking about geoengineering, manipulating mm -hmm. the weather, right? Kind of like that. So, yeah. um, so how, no, do you actually, manage, how do you manage that then? I mean, the, the loss of friends and the, it is that we, it's true. We have had to let go of a lot of relationships, and but we've had those replaced with wonderful new relationships. But yeah. how do you... How do you manage that? Because it is, it's heartbreaking. Well, fortunately, I've been very lucky in that my wife, uh, Elizabeth, and uh, our son, Galen, you know, are, are, have been on the same page as me f since the beginning, you know. So our family is intact. And uh, and in fact, my son got taken off an airplane for not wearing a mask, you know. The police came on and took him off. But <laughs> uh, so he's a brave young man. And um, so uh, I just, it's, I, you know, I'm I'm not... I, I kind of grew up in the Christian, um, I don't want to call it paradigm maybe, but you know what I mean, the Christian I ideology and so on. But I'm actually, I'm actually a Buddhist. And, uh, but I would, I think that the idea that someone told me, it's like guard, uh, God is shuffling the deck. Hmm. And you're ending up next to cards and people that you ne wouldn't have been next to before because there's a reason for it. And I, and I do think that there is higher power and whether it's God or whether it's, uh, the enlightened mind or what it, whatever however you see it um I, I don't i think that's something we can figure out later as we progress along the path mm -hmm. but um but i think that there is a shift coming in that it's, it it is the manifestation of something higher that's happening here and uh and, and so I, I sleep quite well at nighttime well i'm glad to hear that but i think uh, there there is i think we are in the thick of a, a spiritual battle and oh, yeah. uh it's I think what perplexes me is that so many people don't see it. Yeah, but you know, we all have our own paths and our own levels of times of development and this way and that way. So, you know, it's in for those the maybe the bigger issue is for those of us that do figure it out. And particularly if we we feel, you know, anger or we feel that people are stupid because they didn't figure it out, so we have to we have to kind of stop that in ourselves. That's part of our own development. It's a development of patience and ethics and, you know, um, I think obviously diligence too, but, uh, and generosity. We need to develop all those qualities of as well as insight. And um, and so looking at our fellow humans as, as being, you know, like, like cattle, like cows, is kind of the way the elite look at us, right? And can you imagine being a spiritual teacher? Um, or David Icke, for example, who's been speaking, you know, speaking all your lifetime to to us and we're just not getting it right it must be very 
frustrating for them, but mm -hmm. still they keep doing it, you know, uh, endless compassion. Yeah. And uh, so uh, I think that's very important for us is to, to learn how to deal with people that don't agree with us and uh, or don't see what we see. And uh, and it's plain as day to us. So that's part of our journey and they have their own journey. Well, I think those are that's a good place to end our little chat here. Um, Dr. Stephen Malthouse, um, thank you so much for all the work that you've done. Thank you for all the work that you're going to do. And I'm so excited. I look forward to watching you and the team in the European Parliament. And I look forward to seeing your testimony with the National Citizens Inquiry. Um, there's a lot of exciting things coming down the pipe and you're right in the thick of it. So thank you for your great work and thank you for your time today. Thank you very much, Marianne. It's such nice to see you. Yes, likewise. And, yes, and um, we'll see you again soon. Okay, take care. Okay, thank you.